So she goes out to the garage and she's like, Dad, Dad, I gotta tell you about motors. <laughs> Say motors again. Motors. Motors. Dad, I gotta tell you about motors. Dad, I gotta tell you about motors. Dad, I know things about motors. I know things about motors, eh? Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, of course, going to be, what books were you reading in your formative years? Of course. You know, when I was in high school, I was very, very, very deeply invested in Harry Potter, but... All the other characters are talking about things that they got when they were, like, 12 and stuff. And if we're talking about what I was reading when I was 12, that's Twilight. Oh, wow. So, that's my answer. Okay, well, fair enough. Yeah. I never read Twilight. And still no. No, still no. No. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, the thing that I was reading at 12 was Harry Potter. Yeah. My mom got it for me in a Fred Meyer because she thought I needed to read more. I opened the first page while we were still in the parking lot in the car, and, uh, yeah, I was in Spokane, Washington, and, uh, that's where I, that's, that's what I read, but now, um, it's just such a shame we don't know who wrote those books, you know? Yeah, it's, like, weird that, you know, that was just, like, lost to history and lost to time. You know, and that's just how these things happen sometimes, and isn't it just a shame? Unfortunately, our answers aren't as, like, poetically perfect to our characters, like, uh, like the books in this episode are. Yeah, I, I I try to curate my life, but I can't curate it that accurately. Yeah, exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 613 of Riverdale, Ex, li- Ex Libris? Libris? Ex Libris. Yeah. Um, so it's not a film, but Ex Libris is Latin, and it basically is like a book owner's identification label that's usually pasted to the inside front cover of a book, and it means in Latin, from the library of... And so they're used to identify who owns the book. Of course. Basically. Before we get into the episode, uh, some thoughts from listeners. Dave pointed this out on the Discord. And then I absolutely, uh, I was so mad at myself because I had thought of this while we were watching last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot to put it in my notes to talk about it. Okay. But when um, Alice is on the news with Percival, she says, I'm Alice Cooper. So she's going by Cooper again for some freaking reason. I thought you did say that. Well, I said it when we were watching the episode, and then I forgot to say it on the podcast, which was killing me, and I was so mad at myself for that. But then, this episode, when Percival's writing down who his allies are in his book, it also says Cooper there. So, you know, I want to know how brainwashed she is. Like, how deep are we into this? It seems like something that Machen would have pointed out, so I don't know. Weird. It's definitely something Machen would have pointed out. Whether or not anyone would have listened to her is, like, a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they're all gone. Like, mm-hmm. Kevin's gone, Alice is gone, That that's not them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be me excusing the writing because it's just a mess. But, but when is it not? Like gone. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it's bad, right? Yeah. But like, we get them back after all, after they probably, eventually yeah. kill no, Percival or whatever. Just, they're just mindless zombies right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I mean, what else is new? This is just the cult storyline <laughs> So, tutor boot, Brittany. Honestly, you may not agree with this. I'm giving this a boot. What? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Why? Because of the complete lack of continuity. Like, listen, I know that this show is not known for continuity, but the fact that they went and undid the healthy way that Reggie and Ronnie broke up, Mm -hmm. 
really bugged me because it was like that writer just like didn't like the way that happened and they wanted more drama and give Veronica more of a reason to sleep with Geraldo and it just felt like really stupid. I don't know. It just, it wasn't as good as the others. Mm-hmm. But having said that, it's better than most of what came before it in terms of... And that's how I'm measuring it, is like, the worst of the worst that I've given Boots to, this is better than that. Yeah, and yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I think some of it was just sort of contrived. Mm. And I'm, just the complete lack of um, anyone explaining how Veronica knows that everyone has superpowers, I'm like, what? So yeah. Yeah. Well, I had a great time. I'm giving it a two for sure. And, and that is your right. I liked all of the, like, book references. I liked how each of the uh, books had different things. And I liked being, like, you know, watching the episode being like, oh my gosh, yeah, because this person's book was this. And so that's why this is happening. Yeah. I liked solving that mystery while it was going on. Okay. So I had a really fun time. Good. I, I didn't say that I didn't have a fun time. I just, there weren't enough things that were fun for me to give it, maybe I'll just give it a new. Mm-hmm. I think I'll give it a newt. Yeah, yeah. I won't give it a full boot because it didn't suck. Yeah. But it could have been way better. Cool. So um, this episode we're going to cover chronologically again. Uh, things you need to know about this episode. Geraldo's dead now. Yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. Oh, and Percival and Kevin kissed. Oh my god. I um, think I blocked that out. I did. I, I still haven't seen it because I didn't look when we were watching and I didn't look while I was doing my notes. I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. But what was yeah. the reason? What was the point? What was the motivation? Yeah. Oh, and Reggie is on Percival's side now, too. Yeah, Reggie wants to be a warlock for sure. Yeah. Reggie's does. like, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, everyone seems to know that everyone else has superpowers now. Yeah. Um, and Betty thinks that TBK is kind of like Hal rather than like a weird loner. Yeah. Oh, and Veronica has superpowers now, which is that she um, kills people by kissing them. It's... The worst superpower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in the first scene here, Betty's pregnancy test was negative. Yes. She says that she's pretty relieved because she'd be worried about screwing up parenting. So, she's like, can I just do the opposite of what my parents did? And does that count? Um, yes, that counts. Yeah. And so, they're talking about how they would have, like, figured it out together and everything. And Archie is slightly disappointed because he says that everything has been so dark. And that would have been, like, one little spark of light in the world, which is really sweet. I think sweet. that's really nice. Said that Fred was a really young dad and he loved being a young dad. And she's like, oh, yeah. And, you know, they're talking about it. And I'm like, all of your parents were young parents because you guys are all the same age and they were all the same age. Yeah. But uh, whoever wrote this episode um, hasn't seen the show before. Yeah. Clearly. So like, well, someday we'll do it. But we have to stop the bad guys first. Okay. okay. Cute. I love that this was like the storyline that was teased for so long. Yeah. And, and then like, no, this was it. Yeah. They're like, oh, um, JK. I didn't think they were going to do it this early. I was hoping that they wouldn't, to be be honest. I don't think these writers are equipped for that. Mm -hmm. So um, Veronica and Reggie's semi-healthy breakup is completely destroyed. And so now she's like really mad at him and apparently has been getting madder and madder ever since she thought about it. It's Um, weird. It's so weird. And he's like, well, I was going to share the profits for the machines. And, you know, she keeps getting mad. And he's like, whatever, I'm happy to leave now because I'm just going to end up dead because every like man in your life ends up dead other than Archie, I guess. Um, and Geraldo does, you know? So, so did he lie? No. So he calls her, he's like, well, what'd they call you? The Black Widow of Wall Street? I'm like, uh, excuse me, didn't they call her the She-Wolf of Wall Street? Oh my God, they did call her the She-Wolf of Wall Street. Maybe they all, but I think that yeah, they- he's making a joke though. Yeah, but I, I think, think that they- what it was. Yeah, but they also called her the Black Widow of Wall Street after Chad died. 
So she was called both, but um, he's like, well, now you can hook up with Geraldo and have fun or whatever. And she's just like, oh, what? I wasn't even what thinking of that, huh? I mean, I was, but like, whatever. They, like, Veronica has been saying Geraldo's name with exclusively, like, um, an accent. Yeah. And nobody in this episode says it with an accent anymore. They just say it Geraldo, including Veronica, including to his face. To Geraldo's face, she just, ha- in the past, has said it with an accent and now does not, which I think is really funny. The lack of continuity on this show is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so Reggie has this whole thing about how Veronica can't be alone. She, like, uh, jumps from man to man over and over again. She cannot be by herself. And uh, I liked him pointing that out because that's a complaint that I had about Archie in, like, season one. Yeah, she's a serial relationship person. Yeah. So uh, Jughead in the voiceover says that Tabitha isn't in this episode because she's in Albany trying to get Pops declared as a landmark. Oh my god, no wonder I didn't like this episode as much. Tabitha's not in it. There was no Tabitha! I love Tabitha. There wasn't any Tony or Fangs either. Yeah. So he reminds everybody that Percival's the mayor now and so like, oh, what will he do first? So Percival, Kevin, and some other cops show up to Jughead's apartment, and they say they're here on behalf of the Riverdale Public Library, which we've never seen or heard about before. Yeah. (laughs) So all of these scenes, he just goes around to each of the main characters and says basically the exact same thing. These these scenes are all exactly the same. They're all, it's blueprints. The first 10 minutes of this episode is like two scenes and then just like this over and Mm -hmm. over again. So this is how it goes. Why are you here at my house? For the library, you have an overdue book. Huh? I took that out when I was 12. Well, I need it back. Can I just pay the fee? No. Also, I'm taking this as collateral. Wait, no. Take something else. No. Bye. And that's, that's, the, it. that's the scene. It's every scene. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, this as Sam and I basically said while we were watching it, he's just collecting talismans from these people yes. to use as like for spellcasting. I just it. think I just think this could have been a montage instead of all of the different scenes where they just say the exact same thing over and over again. Um, you know, like naming each of the books and then it's like, you know, switch over and then see Jughead or like see Veronica and say the name of her book. See Cheryl, see the, say the name of her book. And Wait, then taking, that would have been really good. Right, and, and now yeah. I'm taking this as collateral and then show the things that they're taking. Wait, no. And, you know, like, it'd just be a montage rather than just the same scene over and over oh again. Oh my but. god, yeah, that would have been much more succinct. Oh well. So he says, we're closing the library because it's going to be a hotel for the railway. Okay, since when does Riverdale <laughs> have a library? I know, we didn't even know it had a library. And I love how Jughead's like, cool, a city with no library? That's a that's a crappy place, Yeah. okay. So let's uh, talk a little bit about libraries and why they're so important, we had mentioned when we were watching the episode. Yeah, the thing that I really liked about this was, you know, these writers aren't very good, but the place that they do excel is very blatantly taking things that are happening in the real world and spinning it in a, into this show in a way that isn't as in your face as like a crime show does. So for like this storyline, it was the modern GOP's rejection of books, education, anything that doesn't fit their very narrow mind view or worldview. And I really liked that Jughead was basically like, so you're getting rid of anyone's access to science or art or anything just so that you can tell them what to think. Mm -hmm. Got it. And that's very much what like the GOP is in the process of doing right now, especially in Florida with Ron DeSantis trying to ban math books because he said that it had like some kind of woke agenda. It's a math book. What does math do? There's a very strong undercurrent of anti-intellectualism happening in the modern GOP right now. And it all harkens back to them 
being afraid of science because science is anti-god in their mm. in their worldview and if you're anti-god then you're bad not realizing that of course those two things can and should exist side by side and that you know you can govern without you know the bias of religion so that's what i really liked about this episode and i think this is what writers are actually good at on this show is sort of more tactfully telling those stories mm -hmm. right and we had also talked about how um like important libraries are to a town yeah yeah sam pointed out that libraries of course are also one of the few remaining public spaces that are not paid to enter mm -hmm. anyone can go to a library it doesn't matter if you have a library card you can still go to a library and it's a free public like, way to get information or to just sit for a bit. Yeah. And use, like, the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. or, like, just have not be outside and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's one of the last few remnants of anti-capitalism in a lot of ways. It's public service without a capitalist agenda. Yeah. So, um, I love libraries. I haven't been in a library in a really long time because of the invention of the internet, but I support libraries and what they stand up for. I, um, actively, ever since I started listening to audiobooks, starting at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, I have listened to, like, 30 or 40 audiobooks, and I've been using an app called Libby for that, which is literally, like, you go get a library card, and it's nice being in Vancouver because the library catalog is so large. Yeah. Um, so if I had gotten a library card in my hometown, I probably would have less to choose from than mm -hmm. the one in Vancouver. So that's really nice. Um, but you know, you don't have all the time in the world to listen to it like you would with an Audible subscription. Um, but, uh, you know, and sometimes you just put it on hold if someone else is using it or yeah. whatever. Um, and you only have 21 days to listen to it, but. You know, and then they have regular books that you can do that, like ebooks and stuff that you can do it with too. And I just wanted to say shout out to libraries because I have uh, listened to so many books and I have not paid one cent for exactly. any of them. Um, so yeah, huge fan. Sam also pointed out that it's also a great place for people to find and look for jobs and get back on their feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the book that Jughead took out was The Metamorphosis by Kafka. Um, so Metamorphosis is an allegorical novella written by Franz Kafka, which was first published in 1915. One of Kafka's best, best known works, Metamorphosis tells the story of a salesman, Gregor Samza, who wakes one morning to find himself inexplicably transformed into a huge insect and sub subsequently struggles to adjust to this new condition. It was one of my favorite books that I read in school. Cool. I didn't hate it. Wow. Which I hated a lot of our assigned books because uh -huh. they all felt very outdated. Yeah. But I liked that one. Mm -hmm. Cool. So he's like, uh, please give me the book. And Jughead's like, I I don't know where it is. I was 10 years ago. I was literally homeless. Like, I I don't know where my stuff is. And he's like, well, the, the late fee would be thousands of dollars and you would need to get us that particular edition that you have. Like, I need that exact version. Why? Just It's just because he's trying to make it harder for everybody. But like, still. The logic is so thin. It's so funny. So Jughead, completely valid, goes, um, if the library is being shut down, why do you need my, like, where are all these books going to go? What's when, it for then? So like, why does it matter? He's like, it's the principle of the thing. It's property of the town, which is obviously just BS so that he can take stuff from them, obviously. Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'll look for it, Yeah, I guess. So he's like, okay, as collateral, I'm going to take this book that uh, your grandfather wrote and inscribed for you. And Jughead says, hey, can you actually take this way more valuable book that I have? And he's like, no, I want this one. Because it's not about it's more the valuable monetary to you. value. Yeah. Uh, so he offers him a signed first edition. Signed first edition? 
of any book is a huge deal, yep. of DeLillo's Underworld. So Underworld is a 1997 novel by the American writer John DeLillo. The novel is centered on the efforts of Nick Shea, a waste management executive who grew up in the Bronx, to trace the history of the baseball that won the New York Giants the pennant in 1951 and encompasses numerous subplots drawn from American history in the second half of the 20th century. Huh. Described as both postmodernist and a reaction to postmodernism, it examines themes of nuclear proliferation, waste, and the con- contribution of individual lives to the course of history. Cool. That sounds like a pretty cool book. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, uh, no, we will take the book that means more to you, and in fact, we will threaten you with guns about it. And Chuck is like, okay. I mean, I guess. All right, then. So find the book and you get yours back. And he's like, all right, whatever. So the book that Archie... Uh, has to start looking for is called Songwriting from the Heart, which made me laugh a lot. Archie, um, what? I am, it is unclear if this is an actual book or if this is just a joke, but either way, it's very funny, I think. Did you look for it? I did look for it. And um, it doesn't exist? Well, I just searched Songwriting for the Heart or from oh, the no! Heart. And then Google was just like, well, here's how you write a song, WikiHow, or whatever. Oh you my know, god, so. okay. So he's like, well, Grundy recommended it to you to you. You know, Percival just knows all these things and is like, ah, yes, it was recommended by Grundy, right? And, Arch- and Archie's like, why do you know that? I think KJ did such a good job of that line read because he's like, oh, Grundy recommended it to you. And Archie just goes, maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, I don't freaking remember. So he's like, I, I don't know where it is. So he's like, you need to replace it, etc., etc. Just basically the same thing that we already know from Chughead's scene that just happened. He's like, okay, I guess I'll try and find a copy. So the collateral that he takes from him is the guitar that Grundy taught him how to play guitar on. It's weird. So then he, you know, Archie's like, no, you can't take it. He threatens him. But Percival has palladium, so Archie has to let him take it. Yeah. Percival and his palladium. If I were Archie, I would have just grabbed that, but all right. He holds up the palladium to his face. Archie, take it, you idiot. Yeah. I feel like if he had tried to take it, Percival might have just, like, whacked him in the face or something. I don't know. I guess. Maybe. So the book that Veronica owes is Kiss of the Spider Woman, which is a 1976 novel by Argentine writer Manuel Puig. It depicts the daily conversations between two cellmates in an Argentine prison, Molina and Valentin, and the intimate bond they form in the process. It is generally considered Puig's most successful work. So Veronica says an incredible line, which is, what are you, the library police? It's so good. <laughs> you got him. I mean, sure. You got him. So he's like, oh, well, the late fee would be really big, just oh, like he says no. to everybody. And Veronica's like, oh, okay, I'll just pay it. I have lots of money. And he hadn't thought that. And he goes, oh, um, well, uh, if you don't give it back, we'll put you in jail. I was like, is it not at all obvious that this man is making this up as he goes? Yeah. Why aren't any of you questioning this? And like, you, I think Chris O'Shea's doing a great job where he's like improvising because there's one part in which, um... He's like, oh, Reggie, I have this Glamourge egg. And Reggie's like, well, why would I want why that? Why do I need this? And he just goes, doesn't Miss Lodge collect them? Like, he's like, um, yeah, I, mean, I thought I just, that this would work better. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh. Well, if, we, if you don't give it back, we'll put you in jail. And she's like, mm, sounds fake, but okay. Uh, okay, I'm going to ask Collateral take this Hiram painting. And she's like, okay. <laughs> I got to tell you. I don't uh, want that. So. If you're Ronnie being threatened to be thrown in jail, it's just another day ending and why. Yeah, she's like, all right. So for Cheryl, the book that she is uh, looking for is called Flowers in the Attic. 
It is a 1979 gothic novel by V.C. Andrews. Um, the novel is written in the first person from the point of view of Kathy Dollenganger. Okay. It tells the story of the Dollenganger kids who, after the unexpected death of their father, are coerced to stay hidden in the attic of their ruthless grandmother. Um, also in the Wikipedia page under controversy, it also includes incest between a brother and sister. Oh, Okay. Apparently, it's also a book, uh, according to Sam, about uh, abuse. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. with their, of their grandmother slash their mother, yes. it looked like. But I like that they were like, okay, it's a Cheryl book. Mm, yeah, let's do an incest uh, incest thing for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheryl calls Percival a crumpet-eating buffoon, which is incredible. It's amazing. I want to see way more, like, confrontations between these two. Yeah, for sure. She's like, well, I read that book with Heather, so she must have it. And Percival seemed to know that. So she was like, uh, how did you know? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm very perceptive. That's not really something you can learn by just being perceptive, my guy. I don't think guy. that's true, Ellen. Like him knowing about Grundy and her name and everything. And that he gave, like, there's too many things that he knows too much about. Precisely. So the collateral that he's going to take from Cheryl is the trunk with Jason's bones in it. And she's like, okay, well, you're playing with fire. And he's like, are you going to burn all of us? She says, no, just you. He said, well, if I get hurt, then the police guys behind me are going to murder you. And she's like, okay. And he also seems to know that Jason is inside the trunk because he says, like, we'll take good care of your brother. Not only does he know that, he knows that Veronica, or Veronica, he knows that Cheryl has superpowers. Yeah. How does he know this? And why why is she fine with him knowing that? I know that we know that Jughead can read minds and that Percival can control minds. But I think that Percival also has an element of reading minds as well. Yeah, for sure. I just, why, I, I guess I'm surprised that Cheryl didn't even question it. She yeah. was just like, oh yeah, he knows this about me. I'm like, Bessie, do you not want to know why he knows that about you? I bet it's probably very, um, just like a super intimidating thing to realize is that somebody knows something about you that's a secret like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe she was just trying to grapple with that before. I could see I, that. I don't know. I could I see know. that. So Alice calls Betty and she says, hey, Percival needs a book back from you called Small Engine Repairs. It seems to be just like a normal repair book, but I believe it's a reference to this play that, I, that when I looked it up, I, oh, I found okay, a, okay, a play okay, okay. that's called Small Engine Repair. Uh, it's a play written by playwright actor John Polono or Polano. The play centers on three friends who gather one night under a mysterious premise at a repair shop in Manchester, New Hampshire, exploring the themes of regret, fraternity, and masculinity. So I'm pretty sure it's just, it's a reference to that. Okay. Like, um, Riverdale's referencing that, not that Alice or Betty are, are yeah, referencing yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. She's like, okay, well, picking these back. And she's like, uh, well, look in my room. And she's like, mm, I looked. Like, Alice, get out of my room. Ba- boundaries? Never heard of them. Uh, so I, he needed collateral, so I just gave him your diary? Why? Because, because, uh, uh, I didn't let you burn that last one in season two, which is a throwback. D- did she, did that happen with yeah. not letting her burn it? Yeah, she was like, oh, don't burn all of them, Betty. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's like, anyway, are you excited for dinner? And Betty, like, hangs up on her. Betty's like, I gotta go. Which is totally this is, fair. This is a bad conversation to be having. So, uh, then Percival goes to Reggie, and he has a little workbook that teaches kids with dyslexia how to read. It's very sweet. Because, uh, Reggie had dyslexia, and Reggie goes to a, like, his, um, filing cabinet and takes it out. Reggie straight up has the workbook. Yeah. Workbook. And he, he, gives he it never back. got rid of it. He was like, yeah, okay. He gives it back and Pickens has this silly laugh like, oh, um, not sure how to get out of this one. Uh, wow, 15 years later and you still have it. And it, Reggie's like- It was I really need-? embarrassing. <laughs> Reggie's like, do I need to like pay a fine? And Pickens is like, no, we'll talk about it later. Okay. 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 So they realized that he all came to them separately. They all meet up and they're like, listen, 
there's been some pretty evil stuff that's happened in this town, but shutting down a library? Can't, that's bad. can't stand by that. I'm yeah. like, when did the, li- is the school still open? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> How are you it guys is. keeping the school open? Yeah. So Jughead's saying, like, well, books promote free thinking, so it makes sense that he would, like, want to get rid of this. He's and he's right. Try and get people to stop reading, stop thinking, stop dreaming, so that he can take over them easier. The tools of fascism. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Where could they have gotten this idea from? Huh. That's crazy. So they're like, why does he need our books so bad? Archie thinks it's a distraction so that he can do something else. Betty's like, it's weird because you can't get thrown in jail for not, like, giving back a library book. And Jughead says, no, in some states that is true. So none of them know where their books are. Um, Jughead says that he lent a bunch of his books to Doc. Throwback. they need to figure out where that is. Uh, Cheryl says that she thinks there's magic going on, and Veronica, as far as we know, didn't know that there was magic yet, um, but, and no one tells her about Y'all, it. Y'all, this drove me insane! How does Veronica know that they all have powers? And she just goes along with it, so... I don't know how much she knows now. I it, don't know. It was very strange. Cheryl fully lights a fire in front of her at the end of this episode, and she's just like, mm-hmm. Veronica does not even question it. Mm-hmm. It was very strange. Right, and it's clear that, like, if Veronica knows stuff, Reggie doesn't, because he, like, comes to Percival and is like, are you a wizard? Yeah, <laughs> so Veronica knows that, like, uh, there's powers in the world. Yeah. But Reggie? No. S- still a himbo. Yeah. And then so they say, if he knows what books we read during our formative years, then he actually knows a lot about us, because those, um... I liked this scene, actually, where Cheryl was like, uh, every time you read a book, it like changes you as a person. She's you know, right. Books change people. And so if he knows what we used to read when we were really little, then he actually knows a lot about us, which it, I thought it's was It's a really very cool. sweet concept. And it's, it's very true for a lot of people. Like, you know, as much as I absolutely hate JK Rowling, and I think we as a society just gave Harry Potter too much in the world, mm-hmm. it did change me as a person. It made me love reading. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Kevin is with Percival. He says, oh, I can't believe it worked. And also, why did we do all of this for library books? And Percival's like, if you steal from a town, you're taking down its sense of order. These people claim to love Riverdale, but they steal from Riverdale. And he talks about how, like, they're stealing from something that they profess to love or whatever. And that kind of reminded me of Reggie because he stole those those machines from Veronica and he had like said that he oh, loved Veronica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that was like specifically what they were doing, but that just reminded me of something that they had just done. I could see how it would have a flavor of that for sure. So he's like, we must punish them. And Kevin's like, uh, are you going to hurt them? And he's like, are you doubting me? You also have an overdue book, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. And it's Lord of the Flies, which is um, the most recognizable of all of the books so far, other than maybe Metamorphosis. Definitely for us. Yeah. Lord of the Flies is a 1954 novel by uh, William Golding. The plot concerns a group of British boys who are stranded on an uninhabited island and their disastrous attempts to govern themselves. Themes include the tension between groupthink and individuality, between rational and emotional reactions, and between morality and immorality. So... Percival anyway, watch The Wild on Prime. <laughs> so basically, Percival's like, I got stuff to do and I don't want a naysayer around, so go away. And Kevin's like, okay. So Kevin leaves and he, Percival lights a match and does a chant in Latin because he's doing a spell. I guess. I guess. I think it's very funny that they're just not even hiding the fact that he's a warlock. Yeah. But we still don't really know if he's a warlock. Right. So Archie goes to school to teach because he does do that occasionally sometimes still. He's, he's an employed man. The ROTC kids have one of his old yearbooks, and they're like, oh my god, you used to play music and sing? This isn't something to make fun of someone for. This is a really cool talent to have, okay? Maybe I'm biased, but... I mean, I definitely think you're biased. Yeah. But it's also a really weird thing for people in ROTC 
TC to make fun of? Yeah. Like, what, you guys have the coolest hobby? No. (laughs) Right. I don't think so. That is not a cool club. I guess I get it because, like, the kids there probably have some sort of masculinity thing, you know what I mean? And so, like... I mean, that's probably right. Singing and playing guitar is, like, not a traditionally masculine thing, and so that's... It makes sense why they're... Um, making fun of him for it. I just think that that's stupid. I uh, think it's absolutely hysterical um, that people that uncool think they can bully a teacher. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, guys, really? I do think that Archie really shows his cards. Like, you know, they do it a second time. And then he's just like, oh my God, if you keep making fun of me because of things that you find in my yearbook, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, okay, sorry. But I would have been like, I'm making fun of you harder now because you're so weird about oh, it. Oh, 100%. Don't give them ammo. Yeah. So he's like, where'd you even find that? They're like, oh, we found it in the library just, like, sitting there. So that was definitely planted. So you have a school library. Yeah. Yes, correct. Got it. Um, so anyway, okay, we're gonna start class. And Archie's like, oh, I'm really unsettled by what just occurred to me. Hey, he's been bullied. It's true. So uh, Reggie is playing poker with the wise guys, as always. Um, but his cards are completely unreadable. He has no idea what they are or what they say. And so he folds... During the game because he doesn't know what cards he has. It's like trying to read something in a dream. Yeah. And so he runs over to his desk and he can't read his, like, comic book that he has either. And so Reggie just has lost the... So even when you give your book back, you still have, like... You still curse. Still curses you. Oh, yeah. So Agent Lynn shows up to Betty, gives her the new TBK report. It says, he's likely intelligent, antisocial, highly skilled, lacking empathy, likely a loner. And Betty's like, yeah, duh, that's every serial killer. That's not super helpful. Exactly. So then she starts smelling bleach and she starts feeling sick. And Agent Lynn's like, oh, do you want me to go get some water? She's so nice. I love Agent Lynn so much. I stay shipping this. Everything I learn about Agent Lynn, I appreciate. She seems great. Yes. And so then she like looks over and the the janitor is Hal. But then, you know, later, it's not. Like, the vision comes off and it's it's not. So Veronica calls Geraldo because Reggie told her to, basically. And it's just like, hey, just wanted to ask how my grandma's doing. And he's like, she's fine? I'm like, Why? does Reggie have the power of persuasion? Yeah, that, yeah, he also does. So she sees a spider on her portrait and she's like, not today, spider. But when she hits it, it's gone. <laughs> I okay. hate that there's a spider storyline in yeah. this. It makes, like... I'd rather watch this than the spider. I'd rather watch this than the tickling thing, though. I must say. Uh, yeah, yeah. It took me a minute, but yeah. So uh, Jughead's symptom is that his fingers start bleeding, and uh, he starts getting really, really bad dry skin on his hands, to which the, to to the point where they start becoming like disfigured. Yeah, it's actually really sad. It's really sad and really scary. I can't imagine how much they hurt. You know, it's. I feel like it would kind of feel like when you have really dry lips and you yeah. keep licking them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's exactly what that sounds like. And for everyone who just got uncomfortable when I said that, I'm sorry. It's like when your skin is so dry and then you put on lotion, and even the lotion hurts. You're like, oh, okay, I'm I'm this far gone. Yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah. So Betty goes to the curio shop and she's like, hey, so my mom had literally no right to give you my diary. And so I would like you to give it back to me. And uh, she also sees that Percival has bleach on his desk. So he basically manifested that. Um, I have a question. Sure. Is New York one of those states where you can be put in jail for not returning a library? Uh, I don't know. Um, Jughead just said some in some states. I d- and I didn't look. My question is. Betty, as an FBI agent, shouldn't you look up the legality of any of this? Yeah, true. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe he, like, because he only threatened Veronica, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't know, bestie. Yeah. Percival starts talking about scents and memory triggers and stuff like that. And anyway, then he's just like, no, you can't take your diary. You can't, but you can read it here. I have a reading nook. And the police will be watching you while you read it. I feel like that's weird. It was definitely weird. And you know what that reminds me of? What? You know, when there's a book somewhere, um, but you can't leave with the book, you just uh, have to read the book in that location. Uh-huh. What is that? What is that? A library. It's a library. Hmm. Having fun isn't hard. Yeah. When you've got a library card. So, so Cheryl's just sitting and reading. She starts hearing children laughing in Thornhill. She goes upstairs and sees something creepy under the covers. And she's like, um, Heather. And there's like this creepy breathing. But when she pulls away the covers, it's just like flower petals because um, her her book is Flowers in the Attic. So. so how are we feeling about Heather coming in? I'm excited. I am disappointed that it is not Agent Drake because I think that would have been dope. Dude, I was so married to that yeah. theory that when you sent me that casting announcement, I was like, but this isn't Agent Drake. Like, yeah. I'm already upset. So I haven't seen this girl do anything else yet, but I mean, I'm excited to see her uh, because I think, uh, you know, as much as I love Cheryl and Tony, I think that we needed to move on from that. I think uh, Tony yeah. is happy with Fangs and it's probably a healthier relationship than the one she had with Cheryl. So yeah. I'm interested in them exploring a new relationship for Cheryl because um, Cheryl can't just be hung up on Tony all the time. It sucks yeah. that, that, you know, Tony gets to move on and everyone else gets to move on to different love interests, but Cheryl is just hung up on Tony forever. You know, I don't want that for her. There's also, like, Cheryl is hung up on Tony, and also, like, then all of her storylines revolve around other people's trauma. Yeah. she Cheryl does not have agency as a character, and she yeah. never has, mm -hmm. but uh, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. Especially because she's, like, one of the um, only, other than Kevin, I guess, like, fully gay characters, because, you know, yeah. we've got our bisexuals over in Tony and Fanks, our proud members of the bisexual community. And we love, we love to see some proud bisexuals. And, and all the straight characters get to jump around from, from different men and different women. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, and Kevin has a couple of different interests that he's moving on with, but for some reason Cheryl is pining over only one, only the one woman and she can't move on, so I'm excited. Well, yeah, it's very much like Kevin... It's like they don't know what to do with the characters who are homosexual. Yeah. Like, lesbian and gay. They don't know what to do with those characters. And it's really weird because, like, it's, it's always especially Cheryl and Kevin. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, it feels very pointed. Yeah. What do you think? I agree. I think, and, and like, I can't even freaking look at Kevin right now. Exactly! I can't even look at him. Every time he's on screen, I'm just like, I hate you. Exactly, and it's like... But that's messed up. I hate that they did that to him. Yeah. I like, I used to like Kevin. He was never my favorite, always but... Always do that to him, too. Yeah, yeah. Remember when he joined the cult? Yes. But Cheryl isn't really that bothered by it, because, you know, later she's just like, man, I'm pretty comfortable with the ghost that he is uh, bringing back, and, you know, so I'm excited for her to for her to show up. Yeah, the, the thing that I'm fascinated by when she made that choice uh -huh. was whether or not she actually wanted to burn the trunk at all. Right. And if she lied about any of it. I think that she did. Yeah. I think that she just didn't want to burn the trunk. Yeah, that's my she's thought She's like, well. oh, I already burned Jason, so I don't have to do it again. But well... I'm like, what are you talking about? By your own you, rules, it has to be done. Yeah, before he was burned the first time, and like he was burned the first time, but that was before Percival had him. And you're saying that's why they need to be cleansed in the fires because Percival had them. Exactly. So yeah, I think she just didn't want to. Okay. 
I'm glad we're on the same page here. So Archie hears cello music in the school and he walks by the music room and sees creepy zombie Grundy. It's unclear if it's the same actress because she's uncredited. Whoever played her is uncredited. Oh, that it's not the same actress. Yeah, There's so no way. I think that's why they made her lo- her zombie looking because then we would like fully be able to tell that it wasn't the same actress. You know, because we see visions of Hal as well, who's also a character who's dead and he's not zombie looking. Man, you know? he is always up. To come back. Yeah. You gotta have respect for an actor who's just like, yeah, give me a call, I'll come back. Yeah. You know, it's he and Nat Bolt. They're just like, all right. And I think Lachlan's great, so I'm always excited to see him. I truly think, like, I think because they both live here, yeah. is my assumption, they kind of are just, like, making a really good living occasionally being on Riverdale. Yeah, they're like, I don't have to do anything else, you just let me know when you need me. Exactly! Um, so then we also see that Percival is playing cello at the shop. So it's part of the curse that he, like, has to have part of it at the shop. You know, like, the bleach with Betty and stuff yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So Jughead's freaking out about his hands. He tries to, like, put polysporin on it, and his freaking nails start falling uh. off. It's horrible. And he's like, am I turning into a cockroach, like, in the book? I thought that would have kind of been cool. We would have made fun of that so hard if he was just in a cockroach costume. Oh, yeah, because they wouldn't have done that in a cool no. way. Yeah, I I take it back. Yeah, that would have been very Rat King, you know? Oh, my God. Guys, remember when Jughead got rabies and then became the only person in human history to not die of rabies? Mm. That's neat. Cool. So Reggie goes to the curio shop, asks for the book back, and he's like, I needed to read and because I was dyslexic and I thought I was good and I'm, I'm good to go. I mean, it's been years since I looked at that, but now that I don't have it, I can't read. So I need to have it back. And Percival says, no, you can't have it back, but do you want a Glamour Jay egg? And Reggie's like, no! Reggie's like, what? I don't know if you know this, Bestie, but those are not the same thing. He's like, no, I, no. And he's like, well, doesn't Miss Lodge collect them? And he's like, well, we're not together anymore, so I'm not giving her a gift. Exactly. She was mean to me. And so he, like, charm speaks him to give it to her. And then we can talk about other opportunities. Because you seem like the guy who loves opportunity. The thing that sucks is, like, Reggie is the perfect target. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, Reggie was working for Hiram. Like, he, he's always back and forth being the bad guy and the good guy. But he's easily persuadable, and I think that comes from an intrinsic need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Which is why he's ride or die for his dad yeah. right now, because his dad needs him. Yes, correct. So, uh, Betty goes home, tells Archie about the bleach thing that happened to her. She basically just reiterates that entire scene from before. Yeah, it's really um, weird. She's like, um, uh, here's a beat for beat everything that happened, and I'm yeah. like, you could have just cut to Archie's reaction. It was nice. I was doing my notes and I was like, Betty tells Archie about the bleach thing. And then I waited for a full minute before I had to write anything else. So the smell gave her a memory and she read in her diary about another memory. So she's like, well, I really loved this book called Small Engine Repairs. I just couldn't get enough of it. Guys, what? what? There was, There's not even a story in that. What do you, she's just like, when we see the memory, she's just looking at a book with pictures of like screws and stuff like on believe it. it or not it's small engine repair yeah and she's like i was so excited to show my dad what i learned about engines and i'm like that's really sweet what yeah so she goes out to the garage and she's like dad dad i gotta tell you about motors <laughs> say motors again motors motors dad i gotta tell you about motors dad i gotta tell you about motors dad i know things about motors i know things about motors eh so um <laughs> And so when she gets down there, he was cleaning the clock. So he, so when she gets down there, he was cleaning the car. This whole rest of the thing in an accent. So when, so when she gets down there, he's cleaning the car with bleach. 
And he basically just says, hi, oh, hi, honey. Yes, uh, you know, bleach. It cleans things and covers things up. Just cleaning the Accardo theory. Yeah. And I honestly thought that this memory, you know, when she first was like, oh, it's bleach or whatever. I didn't even think about Hal. I was thinking about when Chick slash Alice, I can't remember who it was who actually did it, like killed Dwayne the Shady Man. Oh, yeah, the Shady Man. In season two, and they had to like bleach the whole place. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's like realizing that he, oh my gosh, he was killing people so early, like way earlier than I thought. And I, I just, I missed it. I, I can't believe I didn't get it. And Archie's like, dude, you were 12. No one thinks bad of their parents as their like very first instinct. Like it makes total sense that you wouldn't think, oh, maybe he's murdering people as a 12 year old, you know? I just think the way that you phrase that is hysterical mm. because it's just Archie looking at Betty during this really intense moment going, yeah. dude, you're good, man. And may I just say, that's exactly who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like, bro, it's all gay. That's literally what I would be like, dude, you're fine. It's all good, man. I have literally said that to Robin in a very yeah. intense moment. Dude, you're fine. Dude, you're okay. So they're like, oh, Percival's doing all this on purpose. Oh, has anything bad happened to you? And Archie's like, uh, nothing that <laughs> I don't no. Nothing I want to talk about. And uh, she's like, yeah, well, that's weird. And I thought it was nice that she didn't, like, push him and was like, oh, so something weird has happened? No, you got to tell me what happened, you know? Like, she just kind of moves on from it, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Because he said he didn't want to talk about it, and so she's not going to make him, which mm-hmm. I liked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part one. Good job, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so before we move into part two, we're going to talk about Patreon real quick. Uh, it's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash the aficionados. Uh, it's a monthly donation, and you get a couple of cool things if you join. $1 a month gets you early access to every single podcast. $2 gets you access to our Discord server. $5 is 10% off at a bunch of different cool places where Brittany sells stuff, I sell stuff, and our friend Casey sells stuff. And our personal favorite is a $10 level, which is our Patreon-only podcast, Okay, Love You, Hi, in which we talk every two weeks for about 45 minutes about whatever we feel like talking about. And people suggest topics, and it's really exciting. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. Uh, if you can't help us out on Patreon, check out, you know, the description where Brittany and I have the websites where we sell stuff. That's a way that you can support us and also get something cool. And if not, just recommend us to a friend. That would be great. It's free. And you can also uh, check out all of our other podcasts. That would be great. Yeah. Even if you're just recommending to yourself. Yeah. Thanks. You're the best. And uh, Brittany handled part two. I did. So Jughead goes to remains of like Sketch Alley. Mm-hmm. There's no one there except for a man named Hank. Shout out. Shout out. So Hank tells Jug that Percival came and basically told everyone, start walking and do not stop until they hit the ocean. Yeah. So they did. They all just got up and went. Hank didn't because Percival said walk and you have to be really specific when you're a sorcerer Mm -hmm. because Hank is in a wheelchair. I feel so bad for Hank that he probably was just like... Huh? And everyone was like, yes, Percival, we will go and walk. And everybody just sort of like straight left up him. got up and left him and he couldn't come. Like, yeah. I can't imagine. He's like, um, excuse me, that was my community. Yeah. That makes me so sad. I'm hoping that um they house him eventually mm. yes. because what the hell? Because Jug also just left him there. In the yeah, end? exactly. And why? And also, why hasn't Percival come to try and get Hank out of there? Like, what that seems like about that? Seems like per- something Percival would like to do. And yeah, my next note is also, can we like help, help Hank? Him? In some way, I don't know. Or something, you know. And also, (laughs) I have a lot of complaints about this. Okay. Percival said that he got all of them bus tickets. Yeah, he just lied. He said he got some bus tickets. We suspected he lied about that, though. But he just made them walk to California. That's across the country. It sure is. And when Hank says, oh yeah, something about Venice Beach, they did it. They walked across the country. They went the whole way insane i can't imagine it no it must have taken weeks yeah and like has it even been weeks since they left who's to say who knows 
So Jug tells Doc, or Jug, Jug tells Hank that Doc has a book that he needs. Yeah. Does he have a way to contact Doc? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, because he's in Venice Beach. Yeah. I'll find a way. He's like, I have a number for a payphone in Venice Beach. So then Doc is just like always by this payphone or like someone answers the payphone and then says. I think they leave messages. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I'm just like, uh, hey, Jug, did you want to like give Hank some change for the payphone? Or like, are you making Hank pay for the payphone? I hope. <laughs> like, I hope. Whatever. Yeah. So Smithers. No, Hell yeah, Smithers. So. Smithers is back. Hell yeah, Smithers. He says that Reggie has sent a gift to Veronica. I always love seeing Smithers. So he has one of two things that we need. He has a Glamour J egg. Yeah. He does not have the kiss of the spider woman. Yeah. Veronica asked him to try the Strand in New York. Yes. Which is a real bookshop. It is a real bookshop. Yeah. She opens her Glamour J egg and she's like, what the hell is this? And then it is just absolutely filled with Black Widow spiders. Yeah. And it's disgusting. She drops the egg and realizes, oh, there's actually no spiders in this. Yeah. And it's all, and she's just like, hey, Reggie, uh, what? Why, why did you do that to me? Yeah. Why? Um, if I were her, I'd be really upset. It reminds me of in Rivervale when Jughead poured bug cereal. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I had to make a gif of that, and I trigger war- I had to, like, trigger warning it. Ew. When I posted it. I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's okay, I just, well, I just didn't want anybody to see it who was gonna be upset about it. Yeah. Know? So I put a trigger warning in the tags. Yeah. So, like, hell yes, Smithers, <clears throat> hell no, bugs. Yeah. That's Especially spiders. I yeah. don't care for spiders. Where are they finding all these Glamour J eggs? Like, I did research on Fabergé eggs once upon a time ago. Yeah. There's a very limited number of them around. Yes. I think that my headcanon for that would be that Fabergé eggs maybe even are, like, a real thing in Riverdale. Yeah. And Glamour J eggs are their own thing. So Fabergé eggs are the ones that have, like, zero, like, hardly any versions. Exist. And Glamour J is its own thing where it's, like, processed okay. and, like... Things that are produced, you know. Okay, I'm not mad at still that. rare, obviously. Yeah, but of Like, but are produced and okay. are collector's items. I'm fine with that. Ugh. At Riverdale High, Kevin is in the teacher's lounge, student's lounge, some kind of lounge. Yeah. And Moose shows up. He has found Kevin's The Lord of the Flies book that he borrowed. I can't believe that Moose is in this episode telling Kevin that he's hot and then Kevin goes and kisses Percival? It, I, yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, Percival doesn't even, like, put on his charm speak when he kisses Kevin, so he's not even forcing Kevin to kiss him. Okay, but of all the crimes that Kevin commits in this episode, yeah. the biggest one is him saying that he was in lust with Ralph from the book. That's what Moose said. Moose said that? Moose said that. Okay, you know what? Jail for both of them. Yeah. Gay jail. Get out of here. You have to mainline the first season of Drag Race with toothpicks ho- holding your eyelids open. <laughs> That's gay so jail. So you guys can be the correct... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys can be the correct type of. I mean, I know they have Kev- to. They have to be committed to the the filter. Well, Kevin, no. Kevin, no, watches Drag Race. Wait, I have the perfect torture. Are you ready? Okay. They have to watch Drag Race Down Under. Oh yeah, that sucked. Hey, that. if you watch Drag Race Down Under, I'm also sorry that you watched that because we did, and I'll never get that time back. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but remember, Kevin does watch Drag Race because he said yep. in uh, season two, two oh six or something, he was like, mm, "This is not the dra- type of Drag Race I thought I'd be on." But that had me hooting and hollering. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kevin says like, so they're talking about Ralph, and Kevin says, "Oh yeah, I always related mostly to like Piggy because ha, if you'll recall, I was fat and had glasses, and I'm sitting here like." I'm fat and I have glasses. Fuck you. <laughs> I thought it was so funny that he's like, I was super awkward physically. You could have stopped it. I was super awkward. Why did you have to say I was super awkward physically as if and you then, weren't super awkward in general? And then just describe so many kids, especially like, mm. like 
this just drives me so crazy because I was bullied so brutally for being fat and having glasses, Mm -hmm. which was weird because when I look back at pictures of myself, that was not a fat child. Yeah. At all. Like, I hate kids. Anyway, Kevin says, once a piggy, always a piggy, basically. Um, I don't think he should be the one to say that, but I think that as someone who was bullied, that's that's something you do believe, but it's something you have to unlearn. Yeah. And then... Moose is like, you're a Ralph now, so don't worry. You're not fat anymore, so you're worthy of love. You guys, aren't all these characters kids? This is so weird. (laughs) I haven't read the book, but, like, I'm pretty sure all the characters are kids. And I know that they were talking about, like, the kids because they were, like, obsessed with them when they were also kids. But now it's weird to call a kid hot, okay? He's like, oh, don't worry. You're a Ralph now. His name's Ralph. Ralph? Here's the thing. I'm uneducated. I didn't read Lord of the Flies. I didn't read it either. I watched The Wilds instead. I feel like I got the same experience yet better. I'm sorry. Lord of the Flies is just a bunch of boys. I don't care about boys. Yeah, apparently it's supposed to be like this. I mean, it's kind of like the Stanford prison experiment Mm -hmm. in that, like, you keep people in one stressful situation, see how they react. You never account for the gender of those people. But they're like, this is how humans would react to this situation. It's like, no, that's how cis men would react. Mm. That's different. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Cheryl calls Archie, Betty, and Veronica and Jughead to Thornhill, where she basically is like, hey, Percival's probably a friggin' warlock. Yeah. So basically, you have to use someone's personal item to really have a huge impact on their enchantment and their curse. Mm-hmm. So he's using the items as tonuses, as to- Why can't I say that word? Tokens or totem? Totem! I'm trying to say totem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jughead says... What, basically, like, I could go over this, but basically they all say, hey, here's what he took from me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jughead does reveal that his grandfather died while Jughead was in New York and that he was covered in eczema, especially his hands. And then Jughead takes his gloves off and shows that he is now also covered in eczema. Where was FP when his dad died? I, it depends on which version of FP you want to talk about. Yeah. Because my FP would have been there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know either. He was he was name dropped once earlier this this season. And can we bring that back? Where is he? What's going on? Hello? Please, my crumbs. Yeah. My crumbs. Yeah. Anyway, Jughead's hands look super gross. Yeah. It's not good. And it is his, one of his greatest fear to have to die alone, having only written once. Yeah. So they have to return all of their library books. So they can get back their confiscated items. And yes, Percival does have to return them because there's a certain formality to how these things go when it comes to enchantments. There's rules. Cheryl says that they're going to have to face their demons and hope to survive the encounter. There's no other way to do it. I think it's funny that they're like, well, what if we can't find our books? And she's like, "Mm, hope for the best? Yeah, I I don't know. What else are you going to do? So instead of doing any of that, Archie breaks into the curiosity shop to steal back his guitar. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. He's like, I, I'm not going to find this book. I just want my thing back. Yes. Instead of finding the guitar, he finds a cello as like a gift from Percival mm-hmm. and a note which says, ha I knew you were going to break in. And your stuff isn't freaking here, you moron. How stupid do you think I am? Which, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Jughead goes back to sketch Alley, and Hank says that he got a hold of Doc and he found the book. He sold it at a place called Barney's Book Barn in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Sure. I thought it was really, my favorite part of this scene, honestly, is that like, you know, Jughead's obviously going through it and Hank goes, oh, are you okay? Yeah. He do- he checks on him. Yeah. Which is really nice. I'm just like, somebody help Hank. Yeah. Hank, am I okay? Are you okay, Hank? I also really appreciate that Doc remembered where he sold it. Yeah. So that he could tell Jughead later. Yeah. Like he didn't just sell it for money. He knew. Yeah. 
So I thought, good guy talk. Yeah. So Archie goes back to class and gets bullied again. <laughs> yeah. It sucks because, like, the bullying is, like, on a more sensitive subject. Yes. But they saw Ms. Grundy and they're like, oh, yeah, that's why you got into music because your teacher was hot. And Archie's like, yeah, yeah but well, shut up about it. <laughs> and I mean, these kids don't know. They don't they know. Don't. They don't. But honestly, when I, when they were, um like, going over it and, like, seeing things, I thought there was, like, a whole thing about the Vixens. And so I thought that they were looking at Veronica. And I thought they were like, ooh, like, he, that, he, that was his, that was yeah. who he was dating. At the time. That so, would have been fine. Yeah. The other element is that um, men should just shut up about women. Yeah. You know? If you're going to make fun of your teacher, do it away from the classroom. And, like, do it behind his back. Well, and no, my argument is like when they're like, oh, we know why you did this because your teacher was hot. And I'm like, I mean, maybe in Archie's case, but like, oh, I just hate that yeah. energy, you know? I yeah. hate it. Archie threatens to kick them out of ROTC if they ever bring any of that up again. Yeah. No yearbooks, nothing. I definitely, like, having not known his whole thing with Grundy, I if I was one of those ROTC kids, I'd be like, that seems like an overreaction, but okay. Yeah, but there's also a really inappropriate way to talk to your teacher. It's definitely disrespectful. Yeah. It's absolutely disrespectful. And I think I'd be like, okay, so sure, yearbook my guy. And I mean, because they don't know who Miss Grundy is, it's yeah. also super disrespectful to Miss Grundy to be like, her only value was yes. in how hot she was. Yeah. Kind of messed up. Archie takes the cello to the community center, and after kind of, like, thinking about his time with Miss Grundy, he smashes the cello. I mean, yeah. yeah. There's, like, a whole montage where he, like, goes over... Yeah, I didn't need a flashback. No. I, I remember. No. But I do appreciate, even if it's, what, five seasons late, that they do now acknowledge what happened to Archie was really horrific. Gr- the Grundy storyline was literally episodes one to five of the entire show. And I remember when we were podcasting about it at the time, we were like, why is no one saying the G word? Yeah. I think Alice did once. She called her a pedophile or a groomer yeah, or something. Yeah, I think, no, I think she called her a pedophile and, like, no one ever brought up statutory rape. I almost thought that Betty was going to. Because that, cause that that's absolutely what it was. was. That's 100% what it was. But, yeah, I'm just really glad that they brought it up this episode. I think that's awesome. And I just wanted to say, Archie, as, as, a, as a person who now, I mean, I thought Archie was very annoying for the first three seasons and we all know that. But as a person who now loves Archie very much, not that I didn't feel bad for him when I thought he was annoying. I feel extra bad now. I feel extra bad now. And I just wanted to say, Archie, uh, it makes sense to me why this is traumatic for you. And I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That was really unfortunate. And I'm really sorry. It's really sad. Um, She speaks for me. Yeah. yeah I felt bad. For, like, I remember I was watching it and being like, this is horrible. Mm-hmm. This kid sucks, but this is horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, doing the, I mean, you know, KJ was already an adult at the time, but yeah. like doing the math and everything, he was supposed to be in like grade 10 or something. I feel like that was where the writers like, like screwed up immediately. Yeah. Was they were like, oh, well we have these teenagers, but the adults are playing them. Yeah. So we can have these like sexy st- student teacher relationships. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. And immediately there was a backlash immediately. So. And they still didn't really listen, but whatever. That's so five seasons ago. Anyway. At least they murdered Grundy within, like, the first two episodes in season two. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Kevin finally returns his overdue book. He tried to read it, but it basically just made him sick. It reminded him of someone he never wants to be again, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, He was like, I never want to be fat and have glasses again. And Percival's like, I completely understand that. (laughs) Thank God. I completely understand what it's like to just, like, not feel worthy of love because you're fat and ugly. (laughs) But, Kevin, it's okay because you're really pretty. So you deserve love 
and then they kiss. I and it's disgusting. I still haven't seen it because I refuse to look at it. But he's like the part of you that feels unattractive and undeserving. You should just let that part of you die. And I was like, is he charm speaking him to love himself? Like I thought that he was like going to be all equity and he's going to be like. <laughs> Kill the part of you that feels gross and bad. And Kevin was going to be like, I suddenly feel like a, I feel great. I'm like, you know what? You could just listen to some Lizzo and get the same friggin' experience. <laughs> it was like, you're gorgeous and you deserve everything you want. And he like already, kn- he knows about the piggy thing or whatever. And I was like, are they going to kiss? Wait, no. Oh my God. They're no. going to kiss. Stop. No. <laughs> yeah. The worst part was that like sometimes when two people are on screen and they have just a tiny bit of energy. Mm-hmm. The annoying thing that all of us do is go, oh my god, are you guys going to kiss? Are you guys going to kiss? And then then Kevin looked down at his lips and I went, wait, no, wait, no, no! It was the, I feel like we made that happen by accident. I think we did it. I hated it. I'm very sorry to everyone listening to this. I think this was our fault. Like two or three episodes ago, I was like, ha, a person would be more likable if he was gay. And now I'm like, but here's the thing. He's not even interested in Kevin. He's manipulating him so that he'll be on his side forever. Also, I don't find, I don't think, and if I did say it, I don't think that now, that he'd more, be more likable, but I would find him more interesting. Yes, yeah, he'd and be more compelling. And unfortunately, that is still true for me. Mm. I do find it intriguing, because if this is like an old, oh wait, no, but then it's just another gay villain. Mm-hmm. Crap! Yeah. I hate that as a gay person, Riverdale makes me homophobic. <laughs> like, I didn't ask for this. Yeah. That, it's the, it's that eternal Trixie joke. Yeah. Like, I love gay rights, but should some of you have rights? Who knows? Percival, should um, you have rights? Maybe no. I just thought Yeah, was, this was gross. I just thought it was crazy that Moose is literally in this episode, who like, Kevin did, is, like, maybe actively in a relationship with. Yeah, I was with. like, did they or did they not, like, canonically bang? They did. Right? Yeah, because then Kevin got tired and fell asleep. Isn't that just like a man? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I only, You'd be the only one here who knows. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure it's a stereotype. It's a stereotype, but it's not an untrue one. Stereotype. Uh, the yeah. fact that we just accidentally told all of our listeners that I'm the only one who slept with men. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, there's some information about Brittany today. Yeah, I'm a virgin. Everyone knows this. Like a virgin, <clears throat> never touched for the ever time, <laughs> or sometimes, but um, but then tra- traumatized about it. There you go. Sip, sip. Yikes. Anyway, do you want to move past- Wait, what's their ship name? Kevisival? No. <laughs> Kev- Pe- it's Pevin. Persevin. No, it's Pevin. Pervin. Pervin. Kevisival. Pervin. Pervin. Like perv. Pervin. Kel- Kelkins. Or Pickler. Pickler. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I want you guys to know that she made eye contact with me and took a big old sip of water as mm-hmm. she did it. Anyway, I don't want to think about that anymore. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. It's, per- it's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> I hated it. So Betty comes home to Archie and she's wearing a pair of red heart shaped sunglasses. She's like, I thought they were cute. And they were. They were. But... They were cute. Unfortunately, these are a massive trigger for Archie because Ms. Grundy wore them. So he he's like, take those off right now. Take them off right Honestly, now. Honestly, the sunglasses, they are iconic. And they were like the perfect um, iconography to bring back because she she's like iconic in those sunglasses and for the first five episodes. Those sunglasses are cute, which is they really are tragic. Cute. Yeah. So Archie admits that, yes, he actually has been having flashbacks and that he's been thinking about Miss Grundy a lot and how horrible all of that was. And that he actually can't play music because every time he picks up a guitar he's afraid that it's gonna make him think of miss grundy and i'm like do you remember last season when you wrote betty a whole love ballad on yeah the oh my god i um, can't believe you remembered that 
I, because he was like, every time I pick up guitar, it's traumatizing. I'm like, you've done it quite a few times. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I think that this writer watched the first season and this season. Yeah. That's my theory. Yeah. I'm sticking to it. I like that Betty brought back food from Cucina Sacasa, and I was like, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew it was a restaurant, but I didn't think that Cucina Sacasa actually made food. I thought it was, it was a fun front for money laundering. It could be both. Maybe. Yeah. Betty does uh, tell Archie, hey, by the way, the reason that all of that sucked is because you were groomed. Yeah. No one said it, but you were groomed, and that was really horrible for you. I liked the part where Archie was like, oh, sorry, like, it really shouldn't trigger me, and Betty was like... Of course um, it should. No, that's, it should. That's that was okay. really messed up what happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. Archie also tells her that he got a text from Jughead and has a lead on where to find the, I guess, copies of their books, not the originals. Yeah. So I think that Jughead is finding his actual book and then is just like finding the correct editions of all the other books. Yes. So I can't believe that's, Barney's Book Barn has songwriting from the heart. That is so fun. <laughs> I can't believe that Barney's Book Barn conveniently has all their books. I know. That's, the right that's a bit much, but sure, whatever. Deus Ex Machina again, um, but the the god is Barney <laughs> and his books. <laughs> the dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah, the next scene is literally just Jughead in the book barn looking for the books. It looked like a cute little bookstore. I liked it. Yeah. Ugh. Time for just more nonsense. So Veronica invites Geraldo over. Yeah, classic. Because Reggie said she would. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, what about your boyfriend? And she's like, what boyfriend? She's All like, right. what? I can't be by myself. Yeah. And he accurately asks, so am I just like a rebound? And Ronnie is like, please, it's too early for labels. That means yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny because last episode, she was like, but Reggie, what if I'm just a girl and you're just a boy and we're just in this room together and that's what's important? And he's like, am I a rebound? And she's like, um, actually, you're just a hot guy and I'm a hot girl and we are here together. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, okay, so, okay. It's truly, Veronica deserves so much better than the storylines she is given. Yeah. And her all is like, okay, <laughs> well, he, sure, whatever. Like when she's like, you're just an attractive guy. What? Okay. You're pretty. Yeah. I'm pretty. Let's bang. Yeah. And then they do, I guess. I hate it. I also hate it, but I have great news. You don't have to put up with it for much longer. It's true. Because Veronica wakes up the next morning and Geraldo's dead. I honestly thought this was like a vision as part of like Pickens' whole thing or whatever. But no, he's literally dead. No, they killed up, up, like, They straight up killed Geraldo. He's dead now. It's really funny in that it's stupid. I can't believe, like, Geraldo was somebody who, like, got them out of, like, a lot of different, like, sticky situations earlier this season, and so I thought they were gonna, like, continue having him because it's nice to have somebody who can just keep getting you out of sticky situations. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to have a fixer. But then they were like, no, he's dead now. I feel bad for his- for her grandma. She really liked Geraldo, and who's gonna take care of her now? My thing about Ronnie and Geraldo is I'm still not entirely sure they weren't related. Yeah. You know? Well, Yeah. 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 Anyway. For sure. And um, she's like touching him and stuff, trying to get him to like wake up. Is he not cold? How long has he been dead for? She doesn't notice until she pulls him over. Yeah, he's probably been dead for a while yeah. too. But when he like, she flips him over and his tongue and mouth are like, he's like I was like, okay, would you not be horrified by that? Yes. Instead, Veronica's just in mostly his, irritated. In her bed? In Ew! her bed! But when she calls Reggie to be like, um, why did you send me a glamour egg full of Black Widow spider- spiders? One of them killed Geraldo. She's not even upset. She's just irritated. I know. And it's so funny. She's just like, Geraldo's dead because of the spiders that you did in my bed. And Reggie's just like, uh, instead of being like, oh my god, Geraldo's dead, Reggie's like, what was Geraldo doing in your apartment? <laughs> All of these characters are insane. She's like, stop, he's dead. He's like, mm, maybe you imagine the spiders? Uh, well, I didn't imagine the dead man in my bed. Well, she could have. Yeah, she could have. That's what I thought. 
Reggie says he got the Glamour J egg at the Curiosity Shop. Because yeah. she's like, why did you send me that? And he's like, um, I didn't. So, yeah, yeah. That's where she got it from. I like that Veronica calls Dr. Curdle Jr. Betty's bestie. Yes. Which was really, really cute. And it makes... See, that's why Dr. Curdle Jr. was so sad that she didn't invite him to her wedding in Rivervale. Because they're best. Because they're best friends. Obviously. If Betty actually eventually gets married, I hope Dr. Curdle Jr. is invited. I don't know if she would ever think to do that, but I hope that she does I for your so sake. Too. They hang out. For your sake. They're besties. Yeah. Veronica just said. Agent Lynn tells Betty that they finally found the full statement from TBK Survivor, which they brought up not last episode, but the episode before that. I guess uh, it took I think them it a was quick last minute. Ep- Wait. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't remember. Anyway, the survivor's name is Catherine. She, the, I thought they were going to talk to her. I didn't realize we were just going to read her statement. I think I they were just, like, trying to save budget by not having to cast yeah. someone. I'm like, well, then why did you cast Agent Drake? Yeah. Well, Agent Drake's coming back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm excited. Catherine said in her statement that TBK always left a light on at night, which basically brings a memory forward in Betty of when she was a girl and Hal would, like, turn on the light by your bed and tell her that, like, there's no monsters there. And it's just, like, this whole flashback to Hal wanting to scare the monsters away and that they don't have to be afraid of monsters because they are the monsters. Or they're scarier than monsters or something. So Betty realizes like thinking about her dad that they have the profile all wrong he's not a loner he's probably a family man probably a father and he probably has daughters yeah and agent lynn is like well most serial killers don't have families and she's just like well mine did so let's try this i mean no other angle has worked so far so why not try this one yeah instead of doing the thing that all profilers do what if we did something different wow groundbreaking argy calls betty and says hey jughead has our books great thanks jughead yeah so Reggie visits Percival at the curiosity shop and he's like, um, what was up with that egg? And why can't I read? And there's weird stuff going on. Are you a witch? Yeah. And Percival's like, yeah, I am actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want to join? And Reggie's like, yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. Can you teach me how to do this? Can you teach me? I think that this, if everybody had been honest with Reggie about, like, their powers and stuff, that this maybe wouldn't have happened. Like, Reggie being like, oh my gosh, you have powers? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna join up with you because you have powers. If everyone else were like, was like, Reggie, we also have powers, or had told him beforehand, Reggie would have been like, well, I'm gonna stay with the people who have powers. You know what I mean? That's actually a really good point. And I also like how he said that he had checked the egg. He checked inside the egg before he gave it to Veronica and it didn't have any spiders in it. I think that was smart on his part. But also, like, why? I I mean, it is smart, but why did he do that? I guess to To check to make sure. Hey, I bought an egg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to check to make sure Percy wasn't giving her something creepy weird. Yeah. Anyway. He wants to learn magic. Percival is a magic man. Yeah. And Reggie is going to learn from him now. Yeah. So Jughead has found an exact copy of each of their books. He explains again that they he found them at a bookshop in Pennsylvania. All right. Archie wants to burn down Percival's shop if he doesn't come through with his end of the bargain. But Veronica isn't sure if she even wants the portrait back. I wouldn't want it either. Yeah. But Cheryl says... If you leave your totem in Percival's hands, your fate is kind of up to him. Uh And once they get their objects back, by the way, we have to burn them. Yeah. I like, um, he's like, we're going to burn down the shop with him in it. And I'm like, ah, yes, like Tabitha in the 90s. Oh, yeah. (gasps) How is that shop still there? Because Tabitha in the 90s burned it down. Well, I mean, I guess he just rebuilt it. Yeah, whatever. But But, like someone explain these things. Veronica literally, like, this morning there was a dead man in her bed, and now she's just like, oh, hey, guys. Yeah, doesn't even mention the fact that, like, there was a dead person in her bed. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, hey, Veronica, my bestie told me that there was a dead man in your bed. Yeah. Do you want to, like, explain or... Elaborate or... Okay. You good? No? Yes? Good. So the Fabulous Five go confront Percival at his curiosity shop. 
they want their stuff back because they have their books. But apparently Kiss the Spider Woman isn't among the books. And Veronica's like, um, yeah, I really don't want that back. And no man has power over me. Mm -hmm. So I guess because of that, she keeps having her like murdering powers. That's just so weird. Yeah. I, so if she had given the book back and taken her portrait back, I don't think that she would still be able to kill people with kisses. I think that's also true. But it's, that's a weird way for Ronnie to get her powers. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, um, I'm like, why not just get the portrait back and like... Get rid of it, you know? Like, if you're gonna burn it anyway. I understand her being like, you have no power over me, but also like, what are you gonna do with that book? Give him back the book. I suspect that Ronnie wants them because she wants to see how how far she can stretch those powers. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, you know, and he, like, if you don't give it back, he threatened to send her to jail, and he's just not going to. Apparently. Yeah. Betty and Archie chill on the couch. They're about to leave for the ritual at Cheryl's. She is still kind of dealing with whatever happened with Percival and the Hal thing, And she says that she has only scratched the surface of what's hidden inside her. We have scratched enough of that surface, Betty. I don't want to know any more about your weird childhood with your weird dad. There's been so much. It's really, we really have, we've done it all. That's enough of Dark Betty. All good. We're done. Like, the fact that she can see threatening auras is way more interesting than any of the hell stuff. Thank you. I love Betty. And I always want Betty to be doing new things. This is not a this new thing. This is not thing, new. Though. This is just more of the same crap. Yeah. So everyone arrives at Thornhill and they are going to burn their totems mm-hmm. because Cheryl says they've probably been tainted by dark enchantments. But Cheryl's trunk is not there because she already burned Jason, um, which makes a second cleansing unnecessary. Yeah. Like I, I said, think I think she just didn't true. want to. I think yeah. she just didn't want to. Jughead decides actually he can't burn his book because it's the last thing that his grandfather like had on this earth. It's the last tangible thing. He doesn't have a headstone. If they burn it, it's like he'll never have existed. Cheryl says, well, the book isn't gonna, is gonna be cursed, but Jughead's like, eh, eh, whatever. Yeah. I honestly think that was a good plan. Like, while we were watching that episode last night for the first time, I was like, no, don't, Jughead, don't burn your book. Don't burn your book because it's such an important book to your family and to, like, everything, you know? So if I, I was were glad him, that he did I would digitize it and then burn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, okay, so we need to keep track that Cheryl's thing wasn't burned, mm-hmm. Veronica's thing wasn't burned, and Jughead's thing wasn't burned. Yeah. The only uh, things that were burned were Archie's guitar and Betty's diary. Yeah. So, uh, we need to, so we know that Veronica keeps her thing, mm-hmm. like, uh, keeps her, like, curse. Yeah. And even though Jughead and Cheryl gave their books back, their things weren't burned. So we need to keep keep track of that. Yeah. The next scene is just Percival writing down in his weird little diary book thing that um, Kevin and Reggie are on his side now, I guess. Yeah. So he also has Tom and Frank on his list of allies and Alice, but it also still says Cooper. And I, I guarantee you that's the writers just not knowing. I honestly think so, too, because... You know, Alice only ever starts going by Cooper again when she, like, feels super close to Hal or something. And, like, even though Hal is being brought back these past few episodes, it's not like Alice... Like, Alice distanced herself from the Cooper name because she was married to a serial killer. Yeah. I don't know. So... I Again, I think this is just really more evidence that whoever's the script supervisor on the show just doesn't care. Yeah. No, no offense. Some offense. Yeah. So Dr. Curdle Jr. calls Veronica and says that, yes, his toxicology poured report did actually have black widow venom in it but it had a lot of black widow venom in it not like way more than it would have taken to kill him veronica says okay well maybe it was you know for multiple spiders and dr curdle's like yeah but there were no spider bites on his body so like how was he poisoned and he said there's only one place that the venom entered the body his mouth it was a kiss of death yeah, and then there's this zoom. <laughs> there's this horrible zoom in on her lips, and it's that's the so wor- the last bad. 
the last thing that we see in the episode. I was like, not the zoom in on her lips. It was so cringe, but like, all right. But yeah, he's just like, listen, if one black black widow spider bite killed this guy, he was already weak to begin with because uh, usually one bite doesn't kill a grown man, just makes them kind of sick. And so she's like, there must have been many. And he's like, mm, well, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Or maybe there's just one black widow but she's very, very large compared to any other Black Widows, and, and it's you. And maybe human-shaped. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, so now we're going to go into our segments. Uh, my first segment is which character needs a hug the most? I'm giving it to Hank. Yeah. 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 I'll allow it. Thank you. Thank you. My segment is which MILF was most badass? Were there any MILFs? Uh, only Alice. She wasn't badass, though. No. I don't know. Whatever Tony's up to, I'm sure is iconic. Yeah, probably. Uh, what is Sam shipping the most? Sam uh, said to me earlier, I asked her so that I'd be prepared for this moment, and she is shipping Marchie, which is uh, classic Sam behavior. Classic Sam. Uh, is Chick dead or what? I don't know. Is Hiram dead? No. No, I guess not. I don't know. Uh, so my best side award goes to Veronica for... You know, I've really been trying to see this whole thing from your point of view, but sadly, I can't seem to get my head that far up my ass. <laughs> I feel like the writer of this episode uh, had that one prepared for a while. You know what I mean? Like, and it was a sol- it was solid. It was solid. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. And mine goes to Percival and Reggie for. But can I interest you in this very fine limited edition Glamage egg? Why would I want that? I love the way that he said it. Why would I want that? Why would I want that? Why would I want that? That's a weird thing for you to offer me. Yeah, it was good. I All right. It. So for the trailer, um, the blurb for it goes as th- thusly. Okay. With Palladium acting as his personal kryptonite, Archie decides he must build up his tolerance if he's going to stand against a chance against Percival. Betty turns to Jughead for help uncovering some repressed memories from her childhood. Meanwhile, Veronica deals with a bombshell discovery that affects how she interacts with people around her, and Cheryl debates whether she should reach out to a former childhood crush. <gasps> so exciting. I'm very excited about this. When I read this a uh, couple episodes ago, when this blurb came out, I was like, oh my gosh, finally Veronica has powers. Did not expect it to be this. Um, and I'm just excited about the Heather stuff too. Yeah, Ronnie having powers is extremely funny. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, so Betty asks Jughead to read her mind and they hold hands for some reason about it. Uh, this tra- this trailer is so misleading. Yeah. It, they make it look like Barchi or like Varchi and Bughead are getting back together. Yeah. They're not. They're not. Yeah. No. V- Reggie says to Veronica, you leave us no choice but to take you out. Hate that Reggie's on their, t- on their, uh. Reggie, you're too handsome for this. Yeah. I hate that Reggie's on their team now. And Veronica has her like Black Widow makeup and outfit on. It's extremely cringe. We have shots of Jughead and Alice. Betty says to Alice, what are you hiding about dad? Just more Hal content of several seasons after he died. I don't, why, why do we need more Hal content? I don't know. Why do we need this? Betty drinking a milkshake at Pops. We get a close up of Hal. Betty and Archie making out. Uh, Archie says we're in this together. And then we see Veronica kissing Archie. And we assume that that's uh, them testing to her powers, see, yes. Like, to see if Archie, and also Archie's powers, because yeah. he's invulnerable, so, like, what will happen there? And, like, the blurb said that Archie was testing his tolerance with Palladium, so I'm worried about Archie. Yeah, I don't think he's making good decisions. Mm-hmm. Jughead says this sounds like a trap. We see Cheryl hanging up a phone. Hopefully she was just talking about, like, talking to Heather, maybe? Mm-hmm. There's some massage that's occurring, it looks like. A massage? Yeah. I missed that part. There's, it's really just, it's like hands on a back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Veronica in funeral clothes. Geraldo's funeral, question mark? Probably. Taking a shot in the white worm, I think. Archie boxing. Veronica doing a huge spider-themed performance at the Babylonium. Oh, it's so cringe. I, okay. 
Oh, Any what song idea? is it going to be? Any idea what song it would be? Is there a Black Widow song? Is there Black Widow Baby? Black yeah. Widow Baby. Probably. Maybe. Or it'll be something more swanky, probably. Probably not. It's this show. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there's a spider-themed song that's like an old-timey song that I don't know that that they're going to do. But. I mean, I'm sure there is. I sure wish um I could remember any of that, but yeah. I can't. Archie in like a fire or something? And then Veronica says to Reggie, it'll be a bloodbath, yours, not mine. So we'll see how that goes. Why Why do we have to have the, the such a brutal Barchie bro- or veggie breakup? Yeah. I'm sad. Sad. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you so much to Sam for chilling in the back there. Uh, she's the best. My baby. Yeah. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That'd At this great. point, there's so many. If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, spoiler free. And now we're going back to do the good old days uh, with spoilers, uh, starting with season three and ending with season one. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'll talk about that show too. Season four is imminent. It is about to It is come about up. to start. Yes. So uh, catch up so that you can listen to our season four podcast and watch it with us. Yes. Sounds good. If you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show too. We are almost done season three. It is spoiler free with a spoiler section at the end. If you want to uh, watch along for the first time, I would be absolutely honored for you to do that. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, and Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr. And like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive. It is free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make. And uh, we put a lot of effort into it. So we'd really appreciate your help. So if, true. If you can, there's lots of cool stuff that you can get for joining. So true, Busty. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Appertania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. The next episode is episode 614. It's called Venomous. It is a 2001 American direct-to-video disaster horror film. Uh, what? In 1991, a group of Iraqi commandos penetrate a secret American government lab, releasing genetically modified rattlesnakes. Over the following years, the snakes breed and multiply. In the present day, an earthquake drives them from the underground to the surface, and the snakes infect whoever they bite with a fatal virus. A small-town doctor tries to correct the situation, but the government wants to hide the traces of its wrongdoings. At the end of the movie, spoilers, I guess, the snake's lair is located and destroyed by an explosion, killing apparently all of the vipers, but the last scene shows a viper who survived. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun. Okay. All right. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.